I want to thank you again for being here today, and I want to invite you to find your Bible and open to James chapter 4. We're studying James on Sunday mornings in a series I've entitled, When Faith Works. Remember, James is all about practically living out your faith in everyday life. He's really concerned not just about what we say we believe, but how we behave. Not just what's on our lips, but what is evidenced in our lives. And so James chapter 4 verses 13 to 17, we'll finish chapter 4 today. And uh, I'm preaching on this subject this morning, why you should trust God. And here, James warns us about planning for the future apart from the will of God. And he encourages us to plan in light of God's will and God's purpose for our lives. James chapter 4, begin reading with me in verse 13. We'll read to the end of the chapter, verse 17. James writes, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a town and spend a year and, 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 and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Remember this morning, the power is in the perfect word of God. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for your word and thank you for its truth. Thank you for its power. I pray that you would speak to us today from the word of God and transform us through the spirit of God so that we might be conformed into the image of the Son of God. Speak in this time in Jesus' name, amen. So I can remember in my life, I think I've been on a taxi ride maybe two or three times at most. Have you ever ridden in a taxi? You ever ridden in a taxi in a strange, unfamiliar place? Well, one of my most memorable cab rides was in the country of Brazil. We were uh, on a mission trip, and the church van had taken the whole crowd to the church, but the missionary and I needed to go to another location. And so we called a cab in the country of Brazil. I I now lovingly refer to this cab ride as the death ride because I literally thought I was going to die. What I didn't know before this cab ride, of course, we got a guy, I I didn't speak his language, he didn't speak my language, but the missionary was there and he was able to to communicate. But what I didn't know was that the laws of, uh, the laws of the road in Brazil are very different than the laws of the road in the United States. Did you know that? Now they, they have stop signs in Brazil. But those are more like suggestions than commands, okay? Like if you've ever been there, like when they see a stop sign, they slow down, tap the brakes, look, and just roll, man. And not only that, but the, the lanes are much smaller in, in Brazil. They're, they're much smaller. Everything is more crowded. And so literally, I thought we were going to hit a pedestrian probably two or three different times because people would just walk out in front of cars and I thought... In my mind, like the the windshield wipers would come on and be cleaning blood off the windshield or something like that. There was a a light pole that I thought had my name on it. I thought I was just going to end up in the light, you know, right wrapped around the light pole. And this is the truth. Literally in Brazil, a lot of cars are missing mirrors because of how close they drive to one another. The mirror just gets knocked off the vehicle. It's not a big deal there. Whoever's in the mirror business in Brazil is doing really good. 
Really, really good. There was one moment when we were driving that a semi-truck was coming our way and he was halfway into our lane and we were halfway into his lane and my life was flashing before my eyes. I was certain that this cab ride was going to end at the cemetery. Fortunately, as you can tell, we made it out in one piece and I swore then and there, I will never ever get into a cab in Brazil and I never have ever again. I try to avoid cab rides at all costs because in that moment, I felt like I had placed my life into the hands of this guy. I didn't even know who he was. I couldn't speak his language. And I didn't know if I would be safe going from one place to the next. And sometimes in life, you may feel like this is not the ride that you expected. You may feel a little uh, queasy. You might be a little scared. You might believe life's kind of taken a detour or a wrong turn and things haven't quite worked out like you thought they would or like you thought they should. But listen to me carefully. If you've trusted your life into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is trustworthy. See, it all depends on who's driving the cab, right? It all depends on who's in charge. And if you've entrusted your life to the Lord Jesus, He is trustworthy. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Why you should trust God. Why you should trust God. You have a reason to trust the Lord today. And this is what James is teaching us. He's talking about your future. He's talking about planning for what's to come. And he gives us instruction on how we ought to plan, how we ought not to plan, and how we ought to plan with the Lord in mind at all times. And then he says, be careful that you don't live your life or try to plan your days apart from the will and the purpose of God. And so why should we trust the Lord? First of all, James tells us we should trust the Lord because the world is surprising. Because the world is surprising. In the words of that famous philosopher, Forrest Gump, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? I know you wanted me to use the Forrest Gump accent, but I just didn't want to do that on Sunday morning. I don't, I don't want to offend anyone from Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. Um, life, the world can be very surprising. There are turns and there are detours. Life is full of surprises. And one of the reasons we need to trust our lives to the Lord is because we don't know what's going to happen next. In fact, Jesus said to his followers, in this world, you will have trouble. And so problems and difficulties will certainly arise in the world. The Bible tells us that we'll encounter trouble, heartache. And to to that, all of us can say, amen. We can make our plans, we can organize our days, but we cannot control the future. And so even if we make plans, we need to make plans in light of the will of God. This is the point that James is making here. He's not saying that you shouldn't plan. He's not saying you shouldn't organize. He's not saying you shouldn't think ahead. In fact, Jesus says in the New Testament, who's going to go build a tower if he hadn't thought ahead, if he doesn't have a plan? And so the Bible's not against planning. The Bible's against planning apart from the will of God without considering the purpose of God for your life. And here he says, you don't know what's going to happen. And then James, remember I've told you James is a great preacher because he gives a practical example. And this is his example, a businessman who goes on a long-term business trip. This is what he says. He says, so, uh, you know, come now, you say today or tomorrow, we're going to go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Simple example. That, that just even happens today, right? 
You're going on business, maybe an extended business trip or maybe just a week or so, and your plan is you're going to go and you're going to trade, you're going to do business, you're going to make a profit. James gives a warning to somebody like that. This is somebody that plans their life outside of the will or purpose or purview of God. He warns us. You don't know what your life is. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. That's really the key principle here in the first point is you don't know what tomorrow will bring. There are uncertainties that arise. Life can be complicated. There are difficulties that come our way. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So be careful when you make plans outside of the plan of God for your life. And listen, we all make plans. We make family plans. We make vacation plans. Right now, you're thinking about lunch plans when the pastor quits talking. You know, we make education plans. We make life plans. It's not bad to plan. We all make plans, but make your plans according to the will of God for your life. Think about it like this. There was a magazine publisher named J.I. Rodale. He was incredibly healthy. At the age of 72, he claimed that he had unlocked the secrets for longevity of life. He claimed that he was going to live to 100 years old. The New York Times carried his story. Then he appeared on television claiming that his bones were stronger at 72 than they'd ever been in his entire life, and he was certain that he'd live to be 100 years old. The very day that special ran on television, he died of a heart attack at the age of 72. There was another man, Dr. Stuart Berger. He was a nutritionist. At a very young age, he said as a nutritionist, he had determined the key for long life. He had figured out how to help someone live to be a hundred years old. In his early 30s, many people began to buy his books and follow his plans. Dr. Stuart Berger died at the age of 40 in his sleep, grossly overweight. Author Jim Fix was an avid runner. And he said, the way to live a long, healthy life is to run. That will help with coronary disease. It will give you a healthy heart and it will increase the longevity of your life. Jim Fix died at the age of 52. You guessed it, while running. I told you running is demonic. It's bad for you, okay? You never know what's going to happen. All of these guys thinking they're going to live long, happy, fulfilling, healthy lives. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. The Bible says that your life is a mist that appears for a little while, a vapor. Psalm chapter 31 and verse 14 and 15. I trust in you, O Lord, my times are in your hand. You see, no matter what, if you have a day, if you have a week, if you have a month, if you have a year, you need to entrust your lives into the Lord's care because He is trustworthy and you need to be ready to meet your Maker at any given moment. You should trust God because the world is surprising. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Secondly, you should trust God because life is short. Life is short. Now, I've told you multiple times that James isn't really concerned about your feelings. Remember me telling you that? He will kick you in the shins and smile while he does it. He does not mind stepping on your toes. And so here, I would say, is one of the least encouraging verses in the entire book of James. He says, life is short. What does he tell us? He says, your life is a vapor, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes and then it's gone. Now, I know a lot of people who have life verses, maybe John 3.16, maybe Philippians 3.14, maybe, uh, you know, certain verses in Scripture that are encouraging. I don't know anyone who says, this is my life verse. And right there in James chapter 4, what's your life verse? Life's like a mist or a vapor, it appears and then it's gone. That's my life verse. 
But we all ought to live in light of this verse. Like a fog in the morning that when the sun rises, it goes away. Or like that desert flower that comes up and then scorched by the heat of the day. Life is short. Now, you may live a hundred years on this earth, and you may have a wonderful, fulfilling, lasting life, but in light of eternity, that is an infinitesimal fraction of a time. Life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment, and what God wants us to do here in this life is to prepare for eternity in light of our relationship with God and the will of God for our lives. We don't know. We don't know how many days we have on this earth. And so we'll spend our days. Or worse, we'll waste our days. Instead, invest your days. We count our years at each birthday, but the Bible says we ought to count our days. Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12, count your days. Lord, teach me to number my days. Count your days so that you can make your days count. This is a theme in Scripture. Job even says in Job chapter 14 and verse 1 and 2, he talks about the brevity of life. He says, man who's born of woman, is a few days and full of trouble. Aren't you encouraged this morning? James and Job, verse 2, he comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not the brevity of life. Life is short. You should trust God because the world is surprising. You should, you should trust God because life is short. We know the start date. We don't know the end date. We know the beginning. We don't know the expiration point. And so we need to trust God because we don't know when our life will be required of us. Life is short. I heard about a man who was 78 years old and went to visit his doctor. Just his regular checkup. The doctor says, you're in great shape, 78 years old. I'll see you again in six months. Man looked back at his doctor and said, Doc, I'll I'll be honest. I don't think I'll be around in six months. Doctor said, sure you will. You're in great shape. You've got many years left. I will see you again in six months. He said, Doc, you misunderstand me. I'm just going to be in Florida in six months. I'm not going to be here, you know. We don't know what the future will hold. We don't know the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. James says life is like a vapor. And so what should we do? What does he say in verse 15? How should we live? We should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this. We'll live and do this or that. Now, some people have misunderstood this verse. I don't think that James is telling us any time we make a statement about the future, we have to add the phrase, Lord willing. You know people that do that? These are the super spiritual people that every time you ask them how they're doing, they'll say blessed and highly favored or too blessed to be depressed or stressed. You know, you know somebody like that? So the people that always say Lord willing, man, if if that's a conviction that you have, that's great. But I want to be very clear about what James is saying. I don't think that James is saying every time you say to your wife, let's go to Longhorn next Friday, you have to say Lord willing at the end. Or every time you say, let's go on vacation, we'll go to Panama City, Lord willing. I think James is encouraging us not necessarily to put that tag at the end of our plans every time we make a statement. I think he's saying we need to live in light of the will of God. If the Lord wills, we'll be able to do this or that. If the Lord wills, we'll be able to go here or there. And so James is not giving us this instruction that we always have to add that tag on any proclamation we make, but we ought to live our lives in light of the will of God in every circumstance, in every situation, and we ought to always be conscious that our plans are not our own, but we ought to be living according to God's plans, not our plans. If the Lord wills, we should do this or that. And so are you making your plans in light of eternity? Do you make plans in light of the will of God? 
Can I tell you something this morning? You are invincible and indestructible as long as God still has a purpose for you on this earth. God's purpose for you. He can fulfill his purpose as you follow his will. And so we need to trust the unknown future to a known God. Life is short. You should trust God because the world is surprising because life is short. You should trust God, number three, because people are sinful. Here these last two verses, verse 16 and 17, James talks about sin. He talks about unrighteousness. Notice what he says. He tells us that when we make our plans according to our own purpose or our own desires, we are boasting and we are evil. It's the height of arrogance. You know, the world is full of sin, unrighteousness, and rebellion. I don't have to prove that to you. When we live outside of the will of God, we experience the consequences of sin. Look around you. Read the newspaper. Look at the news. Not too long, though, okay? But what you see is a world that experiences the consequences of sin. The Bible told us perilous times would come. I'd say we're living in perilous times. The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. We're living in the last days. Jesus promised it's not going to get better before I come. It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's got to get a whole lot worse, but then it's going to get a whole lot better once Jesus comes back. And we see our world unraveling. Do you know what we see? We see the consequences of people living according to their own plans. All such boasting is evil. What if we lived our lives according to the will and the plan and the purpose of God? He says, you, you make your plans. You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Then what does he say in verse 17? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James finishes this with, 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 a, he finishes this with a warning. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, you know what that's called? Sin. Now it's interesting, we like to call it a mistake. We like to call it a failure, a shortcoming, maybe a a personality issue. We want to call it uh, stubborn or hard-headed. Well, I'm just that way. You know what the Bible calls it? The Bible calls it sin. Sin. Let's just lay this out here and read this verse again, okay? Verse 17, it's right there in the Word. The one who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, guess what the Bible calls that? Sin. And can we all just kind of take our, take our place right here in the middle of verse 17 and say, that's me, I've done that before. You know the right thing to do, and you don't do it. Or you know the wrong thing to do, and you do it. We've all been there before. We've all been at the place where we know what we ought to do or what we ought not to do, but we do the wrong thing instead of the right thing. The Bible calls that sin. That's rebellion against God. And so James is saying, now that you know you're accountable and responsible, now that you know that you ought to plan according to the will and the purpose of God for your life, now that you know that you ought to include God in your plans, that He should be over all of that, if you fail to do that, that is sin. So my life then is not my own, my plans are not my own own my future is not mine it belongs to the Lord he's in charge and he's the one who's in control this is called the lordship of Jesus Christ when we deliberately disobey why why do we do that can I tell you one of the reasons we deliberately disobey when we know what we ought to do and we don't do it do you know one of the reasons I think is pride 
We just think we know better than God. We think we've got it figured out. And we've decided what we're going to do. And we do what we want and deliberately disobey the will and purpose for the Lord in our lives. Mankind has accomplished so much that now he believes he can do anything. We have scaled mountains. We've plumbed the depths of the oceans. We've put a rover on Mars. We've put a man on the moon. We've seen educational advancements. We've cured diseases. But let me tell you something I see in our society today. We still cannot heal the greatest hurts or answer the deepest questions of the heart of mankind. There's no human answer for that. There's no human answer for the hate that we see in our world today. The answer is Jesus. There's no human answer for the brokenness we see in the world today because it's more than just brokenness, it's sin. And the answer to sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. The issues and the struggles that we face, we don't even have those answers. We've accomplished so much as a society, we think we can do anything and we can't even fix the greatest issues that we face in our world because we approach a sin problem with man-centered philosophies and answers. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so here we are, planning our days and living our lives by our own expertise and ingenuity and look where it's gotten us. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. We have a tendency to trust in ourselves and to lean on our own understanding. You know, you know how the Bible warns us, don't lean on your own understanding because we all tend to lean on our own understanding and trust what our eyes can see instead of what faith should believe. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Follow Him, live for Him, serve Him. Think about it like this. When I go to the doctor, I'm literally placing my life in that doctor's hand. I'm entrusting my health care to this doctor. When I go to the pharmacist and I get a prescription from the pharmacist and there's instructions there on the prescription bottle and I follow that prescription, I'm entrusting my life and my health to that pharmacist. When I, when I deposit my money in a bank, I am trusting that bank to care for my resources. When I, when I hire a lawyer to plead my case, I'm entrusting my case into the hands of that lawyer. When you, when you trust and believe in Jesus Christ, listen carefully. It is so much more than just an intellectual understanding or a mental assent to who Jesus is. Do you remember the Bible says even the demons believe and they shudder, they tremble at who Jesus is. They're afraid. They have an intellectual belief that so many people who sit in church week after week have never transferred this knowledge from their head to their heart. They've never moved it 18 inches from an intellectual understanding of trusting in Jesus or believing that he's the son of God or believing the Bible's the word of God or believing that God exists. You've got to move that and say, it's more than just knowing, it is trusting in him and placing my life in his hands. Listen to me, you can trust in him because he is trustworthy. He is worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your faith. He's worthy of your obedience. He's worthy of placing your life in his hands. Have you ever done that? Have you ever placed your life in the hands of Jesus? Hey, can I tell you something? 
If he's driving the cab, there might be some crazy turns and some unexpected detours, but you can trust that he's going to get you where you need to go. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Jesus? That's the most important thing. Don't make your plans apart from God. Plan according to his will and purpose.